0: But if not for God's grace, where would we be? Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to speak here for just a little bit tonight, and I'm picking up on the grace theme. And uh, two weeks ago, I spoke, taught on grace. And, uh, and tonight, I'm just going to uh, pick up and just keep on speaking on grace. And I may next week and the week after and so forth and so on until God is finished with me speaking on this or he wants me to move to a different thought. But um, I've entitled this tonight, Grace for the Calling, Grace for the Calling, as we know God calls us, but we go through things in our walk with Jesus and in our Christian experience and I'm going to tell you we need grace to start, we need grace to finish, and we need grace in between, amen, along the journey. And so tonight, I just want to quote one passage of Scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, and then we'll get right into this after we pray. But um, Peter said, But the God of all grace... Aren't you thankful He's not the God of some grace or He only gives you grace for certain things. He's the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. He didn't just say who's called me but He's called us because we all have a calling. Called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I just want to speak tonight on this thought. Grace for the calling. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the Word of God. We thank you for your spirit and presence already here. And I pray that you will equip me tonight and anoint me with fresh oil that as I speak, I already feel your presence, Lord, that you'll minister to this congregation, and that it'll be fresh, it'll be timely and targeted, God, tonight, specifically for where we're at and where we're going. I ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name we ask you and thank you. Amen and amen. Now, I taught two weeks ago on grace, and I said, apply grace to anything in your Christian life that furthered the plan, purpose, and will of God as well as the worship and glory of God. In other words, every area of your life, you need grace for it. You need grace for the plan of God, the destiny of God that He's predestined for you or planned for you. The purpose of God you need grace for. You need grace for the will of God. Amen. Because you need grace to make sure your will don't get in the way. (laughs) Isn't that true? Amen. But we need the grace of God for the will of God. We need the grace of God for the purpose of God. We need grace so that we can worship God and and not hold back that worship because we're going through something. Amen. We don't want to be like those in the book of Psalms that said that they hung their harps on the willow trees when they thought about the way things used to be. Amen. Well, there's two times to praise the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. There's two times times to praise the Lord when you're on the mountaintop and when you're in the valley. There's two times to praise the Lord when you're about ready to go through something and when you've come out of something. And the third time to praise the Lord is when you're going through it. Amen. When you're down in the dungeon like the Apostle Paul, you've got to sing the praises unto the Lord so that God can move on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything is working in your favor and for the glory of God. Amen. And that's grace. That's grace. Peter speaks of grace as manifold grace in 1 Peter 4.10. It is multifaceted. It is diverse. That means wherever you need grace... It's a working, amen. Where you need God to move in your life, it's God's grace working because He's the God of all grace. Now, we need to see God's grace in our calling unto Him because every one of us sitting here tonight has been called. You may not be called to stand behind the pulpit, but you've been called. You've been called out of a life of sin and elected to a life in Christ Jesus. We've all been called. Amen. You've been called. I was uh, in, in Lake Havasu this week for a couple days. Me and Sister Skiles and my niece and we were there. And uh, and just walking down to where the water was, I saw a woman there and I just began to talk to her about God. I'm called to talk to people about the Lord. You're called. People's lives. Amen. Stand, weight in the balance. They need to hear what God wants to say. And He's called you and me to give them the gospel. Amen. We owe that to them. That's God's grace working through us to minister grace unto them but we are all called because... Uh, and we have a calling and we need to see God's grace in our calling unto Him because we have been called and the fruit or result I hope tonight through this message that is produced is that we'll come back to a weighty worship a very valuable worship a passionate worship amen unto Him saying Lord I see your grace from the time that I can remember knowing you to where I am today that even through my backslidings even through my times of coldness even through my times in the valley your grace was there and I praise you tonight because your grace was with me all along the journey so I hope that uh, and that what is produced tonight because a lot of times we think well he's wanting to get everybody in the altar well that'd be great I want whatever God wants but my heart and prayer tonight is to you eagles Did you hear me? I didn't call you chickens. I called you eagles because God's called you to soar. He ain't called you to peck around on every other chicken in the coop. He ain't called you to fake fly. He's called you to soar. Eagles soar with grace. God's called you to be an eagle. And He wants you to live up to the potential and what He purchased for you. In you at Calvary, in himself, but for you and I. Now, the fruit I hope, the result I hope that comes about in you is a weighty worship unto God for his forethought. I want you to think about that. I've preached that many times and I feel like sometimes it goes over people's head and they don't get it. But I want you to think about the forethought that God put into your life and my life and our redemption and everything that is included in it. Women always appreciate forethought. Amen. Amen. They want a man to put thought into everything and not just shoot from the hip and hope. They want forethought. So women appreciate forethought or thoughtfulness, and I think they do a lot more than men do. But as a Christian, whether you're a male or female, you're moved by God's forethought as you think about where God has brought you from and thus far in Christ. I worship God and I thank Him for where He's brought me from. I think, Lord, I remember when I was this. I remember when I was that. And, you know, some of us have pictures, you know, of who we used to be and what we used to be. Aren't you thankful that you're not that person no more? (laughs) Amen. So whenever you think about the forethought of God That's His grace and everything that He's done in bringing you to where you are. It'll make you worship God more passionately. Amen. You have to ask yourself the question, why do I worship God? Why do I worship Him? I worship Him because He's God. But, you know, I also worship Him because He saved me from so many dangerous things. He gave me a right mind when I had no right mind. Amen. He brought me out of being stuck on stupid. He brought me out of the pity party victim kind of a mentality. He placed my feet on a solid rock. He's done so many things in my life. And I worship Him passionately because I know He's the way maker. I know about the goodness of God. Amen. I know He's a good, good Father. I know these things because of where He's brought me from. Oh, now Paul spoke of his calling in Galatians 1:15 and he said God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace that's called the Lord spoke this to me he said it's more than just me having forethought and 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 before he was even born or when he was born and 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 everything that pointed in the direction of bringing him to a Damascus road experience where I knocked him to the ground and I called him by my grace. He said, when he realized that calling, but he said, when he talks about that, how that he was separated from his mother's womb and he called me by his grace, he said, I did and brought him from a natural life to a spiritual life in Christ Jesus. Amen. His calling did not start on the Damascus road. In the book of Acts chapter 9. No, it started long before God by his grace orchestrated events and moments that led to his conversion. Stephen's stoning affected him. I've preached that before many times. I read that and I think about how that he ordered for Stephen to be stoned. And they laid their coats at Saul of Tarsus' feet. And he watched as Stephen was stoned. And that never escaped him. I believe it haunted him to think I was the one who put the green light on his life. But God, in His great grace and mercy, dealt with Saul, dealt with him till God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And He gave him a great conversion in his life and changed him. That's beautiful to see what God can do in a life. But you know, you think about the tragedies that have taken place in our lives and all the horrific things. God brought you through them by His grace to bring you where you are today. That's part of the calling. Amen. So don't, you know, you go through things. We all go through things. We suffer things. We experience things. It's all in the plan and the will of God. So that he can reveal his grace unto us. So he gives us, Paul does some history in verses 13 through 16 of his life in Galatians 1. And I just want to read that to you. But Galatians 1 uh, verse uh, 13. He talks about his experience a little bit here. And he said, for you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews religion. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father's But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to do what? To reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen. He he goes on to say, I didn't confer with flesh and blood, but I listened to what God said and I went into that Arabian desert for uh, several years, three years I believe it was. But He went there and you know, I'm reading this today and the Lord began to show me, He said Saul of Tarsus became Paul and his life he begins to speak about that before he came to the revelation of Christ and the grace that it required amen the grace that it required Paul went through the fires of affliction to become God's trophy of grace and one of the afflictions that he went through is he realized that I think I'm religious I think I'm doing something for God but he realized as God showed him you're just a is a religious zealot that is not doing anything but putting Christians to death, and you're defeating the purposes of God. But God's not defeated in all of that. The devil thought, you know, the devil thought he had won. But let me tell you something in rescuing Saul on the road to Damascus and reconciling him, God had a trophy of his grace that he used for the glory of God. <laughs> And he went through the fires of affliction to become that trophy of God's grace. This disappointment, or the disappointment of all things, he experienced. He experienced the disappointment of all. When I say that now, he ends up saying, I know that he he talks about how that it's all done. But he had to come to the place where everything that he knew, he realized is nothing. And, 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 but he went through things. And I, I don't want to use the disappointments and, uh, and, and, and put that, pointing it towards or, or connecting with, with Paul. Uh, because I can tell you, once he came to the revelation of what Christ was doing in him by his grace, he considered it nothing. But we go through things and we go through losses. We go through disappointments. We experience things and at the moment they're disappointing. But when you realize you're in the perfect will of God... It brings a rejoicing and a happiness and a satisfaction. Amen. That even though it was disappointing, it was God's perfect will in my life. He gets glory out of all of this. Hallelujah. The things you thought were what was best for your life, and God showed you another way. Amen. But He realized His pursuits were empty. And they were vain. You know, back whenever I first went to Living Waters, Pastor Duke, I was going through the hardest time of my life, and Pastor Duke told me, he said, Jonathan, God has to empty you before he can fill you. The problem, the reason why God can't fill people is because they're not empty yet. Amen. Amen. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. The reason that God cannot fill us is because we're not empty yet. We have to be emptied of everything. And the emptying that takes place in your life is God's grace. Amen. It's His grace. And uh, He said, God has to humble you before He can use you. And He had to humble me. And He's still humbling me. And, and, and He still goes through times where He empties me out so He can fill me up. Amen. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, this, this week uh this week we went to Havasu with my niece and it was a beautiful beautiful time and uh, I just want to share with you her experience and you know she was asking me on the way to Havasu she said Uncle John I want to get baptized you think you could baptize me do you have a dunk tank at your church and I said no we have pools (laughs) we baptize in the pools you know and uh and so but I said we'll we'll talk about it we'll we'll you know cuz she leaves Thursday morning and I knew we weren't going to get back till Wednesday night but but the Lord just just impressed me to pray I've been praying for her before she got here to the wedding and and uh, we were out there on the water and we we're just talking about the Lord we're talking about her life and different things and the disappointments that she's went through and you know having a relationship with her high school sweetheart for I don't know five or seven years I don't know, it's been a long time and an engagement that you know uh, ended up being broken and and just a lot of heartaches and disappointments and things but 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 Yet God allowed all of those things and gave her grace through them all, or His grace brought her to this moment uh, yesterday, out in the middle of that water on a lily pad. Amen. Out there on Lake Havasu, and we're out there, and we're just you know just relaxing, and we're talking about God, and 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 she began to weep and cry, and I began to talk to her about salvation, and and you know, and I said, you know, I said I want to ask you this question. I said, have you ever really truly? ask Jesus to come into your heart and ask Him to forgive you of your sins? Have you ever really answered an altar call and really dedicated your life to the Lord? And she looked at me and she said, I can't say that I have. I said, that's got to happen before baptism, sis. I began to talk to her about the sinner's prayer and the gospel. She said, I'm not worthy. I say ain't one of us worthy. And I said, but let me tell you something, sis. I said, that's why God sent his only begotten son. That he die on the cross. That whosoever believe in that finished work of Jesus dying. Very much God, very much man. Because you can't do anything to earn your salvation. Or to earn forgiveness from God. You need a savior. We all do. And I said, faith and trust in him. And, 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 and crying out to God. I said, to save you and change you. I said, that's how a person gets saved. And I mean, I I was right there. (laughs) And I said, Sierra, I said, would you like to pray that prayer right now? Tears streaming down her face, sitting right there on that lily pad. Amen. I said, Lord, we're going to make this lily pad an altar. Amen. (laughs) She bowed her head in prayer, weep and tears streaming down her face and prayed that sinner's prayer right there on that water. Amen. Ask Jesus to come into her heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want my life to change. I accept your forgiveness. You're my Savior. I mean, she prayed that prayer with heartfelt fervency, and she was weeping and crying, amen, broken. And we and, and we we just we concluded that. We said, amen. I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel amazing. I feel awesome. I feel so good. I said, what doth hinder us baptizing? Amen. Just step off that lily and stand here in this water you wanted to be baptized she stood there I baptized her amen in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost she was praised in the Lord it's awesome awesome But as I was putting this message together the Lord reminded me and He said I want you to look at all of the graces that took place to bring her to that moment yesterday It's been a journey getting to that moment on the lake. But God, by His grace, brought her there. There was February of 2020 when she came and sat in this church on a Thursday and a Sunday and was in service with us. Tears streaming down her face. But she didn't get saved that Sunday. She didn't get saved that Thursday. She come to the Skiles reunion in August of 2020, 2021, I'm sorry. Uncle John preached a message. She showed up at my service and there she was. And she wept and cried at the end of that service, but she didn't get in the altar you know had well meaning family members that went over and told her you know she needed to stop crying all she needed was counseling i thought you know let me tell you something what she needs is jesus she needs the she needs the wonderful counselor is what she needs but you know I, But she said, do I need counseling? I said, no, you just need salvation. Amen. That's what you need. But then she come. She was here Thursday night. I know the Lord touched her. Her and my sister-in-law back there crying on Sunday morning. Same thing. She said, we were just crying. We were just, you're just so moved by the spirit of God and the message and all of that. But God said, it's going to be at a moment of a one-on-one right out there on that water. And she got born born again and he said all of that I was wooing her and drawing her she had a moment to be born amen the God of all grace calls us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus listen that's not just heaven alone or only but it's Honor, glory, applause, praise unto God that is recognizable in our lives. Okay? I talked about how that the call, God gives us grace for that journey all along the way. But it's not just to bring us to Jesus just and stop there, but to continue on. And there needs to be in our life the graces of God being seen and through the glory of God in our life that's recognizable. And I'll say it again. Where there's the honor unto God, the glory of God, the applaud unto God from your life. People see things in your life. They see things that are honorable. It's Christ. It's not you. It's The applause is for God and what Christ is in you. But it's the applaud, the glory, the honor, the praise unto God that is recognizable in our lives. And so I ask the question, can Christ's character in life be recognized by us number one when I say recognized by us you know Paul said a man not ought to think more highly of himself than he ought to so there's things about you that you know but I'm talking about the wonderful glorious enjoyment of salvation the spirit of god the glory of god in your life and if you have a prayer life and you and you're full of the holy ghost and you're a worshipper you know what I'm talking about when you know him and you say lord i feel your presence i feel your presence i'm i feel so joyful i feel so clean I feel like that my heart's right with you. I feel good. Is it recognizable in you? Because I can tell you, when you're not doing what you ought to be doing, it's recognizable. But listen, can Christ's character and life be recognized by you that the joy of the Lord and the glory of His presence is there and you know it and you're experiencing it and you're enjoying it? Amen. Do you know that God wants you to enjoy your relationship with Him? Too many people walk around and they're not happy. I'm like, my goodness. You used to live a life that wouldn't make you happy. Now you're serving God. You have a reason to have a smile on your face. Amen. You can be broke and have a smile on your face. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. (coughs) But can Christ's character in life be recognized by others? And that's the sweetness, the kindness, the graciousness, the humility, and the love that oozes from a life that can only be of God or Jesus. It cannot be you. It's Christ in you. It's His grace. Because He is grace. Everything that is virtuous, eternal, of any godly, holy, wholesome gracious character. It's, it's God. God is love. God is mercy. God is grace. Listen. God is all things. He's peace. He's not just the God of peace. He is the God who is peace. He's the prince of peace. So it cannot be you It's Christ in you, that sweetness, kindness, graciousness, humility, and love that oozes from a life that can only be of God. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm correlating this or connecting this in unison with our journey with God in grace, our journey in faith. Because all along the way, God is working in us. Amen. He's working in us. And that work doesn't happen overnight, but it is a process over a lifetime. It has a start and it has a finish. The God who called us to eternal glory is the God who elected us by His grace. Did you know that Peter speaks of uh, grace in the end of, of, of his first epistle? And he also speaks of it at the beginning of it. I'm going to read it to you. We read in chapter 5, verse Peter 5, verse 10. He said, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. But in the beginning, in chapter 1, he starts out and he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, (coughs) elect... Did you read that? Elect. You've been chosen. You've been elected. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. I read that and I thought, Lord, Peter said Elected by God's foreknowledge through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. This grace, he says, and this peace. But this grace be multiplied. We need grace multiplied. Much grace. Amen. He concludes in our text that we started out with in verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 10 of chapter 5. He concludes with, with grace. And he says, He elected you, and this is what he did in you. He sanctified you, he all of these things. But then he goes down and he says, God of all grace called us, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. He'll bring you through that by his grace or bring you to that place of eternal glory by His grace, and there will be suffering involved. That's what He's saying. There will be perfecting that will be involved. There will be establishing that will be involved. There will be strengthening that will be involved. And there will be settling of your life that will be involved. He is the God working graciously in between Throughout our lives, through sufferings, perfectings, establishing, strengthenings, and settlings. The calling requires this, to understand and experience God's grace. It must be. The potter's wheel hurts, but God is making a vessel of honor. Amen? Peter understood grace, and we see this in his writings. And also that they are contrary to what we know about him. I just want to share something with you. If you go back to the first verse of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, I want you just to read this with me. He says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly not for filthy lucre or money, but of a ready mind, neither, being, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you and be sober he says. Be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists. He's saying you need to resist him knowing verse 8. You need to resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And then he says but the God of all grace has called us to a, an eternal glory. When I read this, I thought everything that Peter told us to do in verses 1 down through 9, he failed at. Are you hearing me? Pastor, you know you're talking about the Apostle Peter. I'm talking about somebody that understood God's grace because he failed at everything. And I'm going to give you his history. The witness of Christ's sufferings. Actually, on the day of the crucifixion, he was not necessarily an eyewitness to that. The Bible says only John was at the foot of the cross. The Bible, in fact, says that Peter followed from afar. And no doubt, he suffered as he preached after Pentecost. But he's telling us, He's telling us, I suffered. What he was saying is in the beginning, I failed at suffering with Jesus. He may have suffered and we know that he did throughout his life. But the things that he's saying unto you and I, he didn't even do himself in the beginning. So he learned about grace in suffering. Because nobody likes to suffer. But we go through sufferings. Amen. He tells us he was a partaker of the glory, but he doesn't mention that he was reprimanded by God the Father on the Mount of Transfiguration for placing Jesus on the same plane as Moses and Elijah. He tells pastors to feed the flock, but he didn't at first, but went back to fishing and was asked by Jesus, Do you love me more than these? If you do, then feed my sheep. Everything that he's telling you and I to do, he failed at himself he also in verse 2 expressed for preachers and pastors not to be lazy ministers but he fell asleep in the garden and couldn't even pray for one hour in verse 3 he says don't lord over the flock of God but yet he ripped out a sword and whacked a man's ear off in the garden he tells us young people Submit yourself in verse 5 I'll read it to you Ye younger submit yourself unto the elder Ye all of you be subject one to another And being clothed with humility Yet he rebuked Jesus He said be clothed with humility But he did not want Jesus to wash his feet Am I telling you rightly? He said, cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Yet in John 21, he said, I'm going back to fishing. And it wasn't until Jesus said, have you caught anything? Cast your dead on the other side. And John said, Peter is the Lord. He said, be sober and vigilant because the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Yet Peter was offended when Jesus said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. See, Peter failed at every point. But the good news is, he was mightily used of God even after all of his failings. Do you know why? Because he learned about his failures and he learned I cannot come through any of these things and learn from them except by God's grace. I have to have his grace. I cannot explain his grace to you. I wish I could. There's people that probably can. Lee Ship can. They're better at it. All I know is that I'm learning. I haven't learned. I'm learning about God's grace as I'm going through this life. I'm learning about God's grace. I'm learning about the grace of, of not judging things before their time. You know, we're, we're the hardest on people. We judge people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Ain't I right, Tony? <clears throat> Come on now. Oh, it's getting a little warm in here. We judge every, you ought to write that down. We judge everybody by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Reverse it. Why don't you judge yourself by your actions and give people the benefit of the doubt and not judge them because you don't know their intentions? Even the Bible says that we're not supposed to judge somebody because you don't know their heart, but we sure think we do. We're the hardest on people. And you know, we have to step back and say, I really don't know their intentions because I don't know their heart, but I sure know down deep what's in mine for the most part. And I know there's things sometimes even deeper because of deception. We don't know. Let me just share with you tonight. God is teaching me. Don't judge anything before it's time. You don't Don't look at somebody and just write them off or have an attitude towards them or look at them and their failures or the way that they've treated you or anything. Look at them through the eyes of Jesus and say, you know what? I don't know what they're going to be six months from now. I don't know where they're going to be five years from now. I don't know what God's going to do in their life. There was a period of time, many of you sitting in this place, a lot of people probably thought, I'll just wash my hands of them. They're never going to become anything. But today you're in this church, serving God, in ministry, full of the Holy Ghost. God has brought you so far by His grace. So, be very careful. Peter teaches us here. He says, all of these things you're never going to become or be able to do unless you have God's grace. And and you're going to go through failures. And you can't allow yourself to crash and burn in pride. you got to get back up and you've got to say, you know what? i got to learn from this. God allows things in our life because He's trying to break our pride. You hear me? So the good news is that Peter was mightily used even after all of his failings. And he taught us it ain't by any other means but by God's grace. Otherwise, I'd have never come back. I'd have never come back. Because he learned that the calling to eternal glory is not to the impeccable or the perfect, but to the teachable. Amen. He said, we've already had this lesson before. When I was out there and I was fishing and we had toiled all night and Jesus said, Go out and throw your net out again. But we've toiled all night. But nevertheless at thy word. And he brought in this great drought of fishes. And once he found himself in failure because he denied Jesus. He's back out there fishing again. And he's back doing the same thing again. And you know, it seems like that people always revert back to what they were before. And we got to still hear the same thing again. What's so beautiful is God's grace. Jesus didn't stand on that shore and say, Peter, you stupid idiot. You're back there doing that again. You'd have thought you'd learn from the first time. We've all said it about somebody. He didn't. He said, the grace that I showed you before. I'm going to show you again. Cast your net on the other side. A lot of times people don't even see that. It takes somebody that maybe is a little bit more spiritual than you to reveal it to you. Peter, it's the Lord. And you know what grace did? Grace caused him to jump out of that boat and swim as fast as he could. You know... Something that happens whenever you failed God is you, you have a tenderness and you have a, you have a greater appreciation for the love and the grace of God and His forgiveness. That's grace working. See, what? not only does God show you His grace for you in your life, but He begins to give you a compassion for the other people that you didn't have before. It's the Holy Ghost right now, I'm telling you. Ain't no notes on this. God is trying to show us all something about His grace. And we've all been called. We all have a journey. We're all on this walk in faith. And, and God's just trying to do something in us. And He's trying to do something through us. And you know, there's a song I've been listening to over and over and over and over again. And it's called Grace Ain't Fair. Grace Ain't Fair. I wasn't, the song says I wasn't supposed to be. Something worth rescuing. But grace ain't fair. He found me anyway. God is so beautiful. And his grace is so beautiful. And he's not looking for perfect, impeccable people. He's looking for teachable people. Amen. And the religious that Jesus dealt with, their biggest problem. Was they were not teachable. And if you're not teachable, God can't do nothing with you until you humble yourself and say, Maybe, just maybe, I'm not right. Maybe the way I feel isn't right. Maybe the way my attitude towards that person isn't right. That's God's grace saying to you, check yourself. Check yourself. Grace comes, and we learn through the things that we experience and we suffer. And the teachable teach grace, and they teach it potently because of their own experiences. I'll close with this scripture, I think. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. The great apostle says this. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. God is trying to sanctify us. And, you know, sanctification. This is how I feel about I feel like the Bible is very clear about this. God's the one that sanctifies. He's the sanctifier and it's by his spirit. All he is looking in you and me is to yield to his spirit to sanctify us. A lot of times, and I've even done it myself where I, you know, I I knew that it was God was the one that was sanctify me, but I tried to even help him out. And he said, "All I need you to do is is yield. That's all I want you to do is just yield." Just just come and submit to me and let me do that work in you, you know, and I found that whenever I yield to him and his grace begins to be imparted to me, the 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 process is almost cut down. in a sh- to shorter measure. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like he gives you that almost that. Shortcut to that place because you've yielded to him. It's his power. But when we don't, we got to go through all of that. Just so God can talk to us. Folks, don't do that to yourself. Let God's grace work in you. Amen. Along this calling and along this journey. Mighty God, we thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. And I truly believe that I did what you asked me to do tonight. And I want to stop and leave it right there and not go any further. But Lord, I just want to ask you tonight and my hope and prayer and from the very beginning was that each and every person in here would come to this place where they say, Lord, I thank you. For the work of grace in my life. And I want to worship you for that grace. I want to worship you for what you've done in my life. You know, the grace that you gave me, Lord, is to step out of myself for just a second and see the work of God. That I have this treasure in an earthen vessel and that you're doing a work in me and you're sanctifying me and refining me. And you know what, Lord? I want to get out of myself and let you get in here and just take over because it's Christ that deserves the glory and I want you to be glorified and that means I have to step to the side, God, and let you take your rightful place in my life. It's not my life. It's your life in me. Help us tonight, Lord. Help us to be worshipers of you and God to praise you through it all. I thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it. Mighty God tonight. Church, you're here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to say to you tonight, if you're here in this place. You're here in this place tonight. And you say, Pastor, you know, I just want to worship him. I, I, I want to worship him for the grace of God in my life. I know God's working in me and I just want to worship him tonight before we leave. Would you just make that known and stand up And just begin to praise Him. I'm not going to beg anybody. I'm not going to try to probe you or or, or, or provoke you. You know, it has to come from your heart. It has to come from you. But just begin to thank Him and just begin to praise Him. And thank Him for where God's brought you from, you know. Thank Him for the grace of God at work in your life, you know. It's amazing. You're going to start feeling it, amen. Some folks are already starting to feel it tonight, You're already feeling His his Spirit and His presence as you're worshiping Him and you're thanking God for the grace of God tonight. Oh, Father, we praise You. We thank You tonight. We glorify You tonight and we worship You tonight. We thank You for Your amazing grace, God. We thank You for the grace during the journey, for the grace for the call, for the grace, Father God, through everything that has to be removed and changed and refined through that process God tonight we thank you for every step of the way that wooed us and brought us to the perfect moment Father God that whether we got saved in this altar or whether we got saved on the middle of Lake Havasu God we got saved and you brought us there everything brought us there Lord to that place oh we praise you tonight we glorify you tonight we worship you tonight and we praise you Church, lift your hands and praise him tonight.